Okay, we're dreaming big. We're dreaming big. I love this time of year because it's a chance for us to, to close the chapter on last year. And as Jeremy said, some of us need to put the fridge across the door. Some of us need to leave it behind. Whatever your year was like, I like the idea that God has given us a new day. He's given us a new week. He's given us new months. And he gives us new years to turn the page, to close the chapter, or to continue on the surge that you've been on. And, and my prayer is for for you and for me and for us as a church. I've got this little expression that 2018 is going to be our biggest year ever as a church. I just, I kind of feel that. I'm excited about that. Our biggest year ever of salvations of people who don't know Jesus Christ coming into a relationship with Him. I've got that expectation in me. It will be our biggest year ever. It'll be our biggest year ever of water baptisms who people say yes to God. People who, who get fully immersed in water. Our biggest year ever of people discovering their gifts and finding their place, their sweet spot that God's wired them up for and joining our dream team. I believe this year our dream team will be our biggest year ever, our biggest year ever of, of intern, uh, people signing up for Give God a Year. Uh, we, last year, we took the, uh, the age group of that, and so we've had mature age, or uh, mature age is anyone over 30, if you're wondering. Uh, a mature age people have signed up for internship, I believe, would be our biggest year ever of internship, biggest year ever of Bible college, Wayne Graham, that'll be a, a great thing for us this year. Biggest ever year in so many different ways, and I want you to set your expectation today that this could be our biggest ever year. When Danielle and I started dating, uh, we were 21, she was, I was 23, and uh, we began, we were friends beforehand, and as I said before, I was friends with her brother, um, and we were batching together, we kind of became friends, and then we started going out. We started this relationship, and somehow in my mind, I'm not sure particularly why, and I don't recommend this as dating procedure, but somehow in my mind, I figured that because I was a big dreamer as a, as a, a teenager and as a young person, I had all of these dreams. Some of them were from just pure blind idealism. That's what some of them were from. Some were from the books that I'd read, like The Cross and the Switchblade uh, as a teenager, and I was going to save the world. I was going to have every every street kid and drug addict living in my home. Uh, I was going to preach the gospel around the nations. And for some reason, I felt like on our very first date, I needed to share these dreams with Danielle. Don't recommend it, but I just felt like I needed to. So I remember just like, I'm going to, you know, I'm either going to freak her out and she'll run a mile because she's not the chosen one. (laughs) Or... Or she'll just, you know, catch the vision and away we go. And so I remember sitting up at Alexandria Headland and looking out over, over, you know, the water where most other normal couples were making out. And I was sharing our dream. All right. I was sharing what God had put in my heart. And Danielle's, uh, you know, I find out as I'm sharing, I'm thinking this is going well. She's quite, she's been quite quiet. She's really grabbing a hold of this vision. Later on, I find she was swearing under her breath going, oh God, what are you, anyway. And then a little bit further on, we're having our early conversations as we go. And I remember this is a classic, a classic line that she shared. And can I just encourage every, every person dating or beginning a friendship with someone, be careful what you say because your future husband might be quoting it 25 years later, for example. And we sat down at this little picnic lunch and she looked at me and said to me, why can't you just be normal? <laughs> 
And she said, like, and she insert name here, a young guy in our church at that moment. Why can't you just be normal like so-and-so? Yeah, I'm over that. I'm okay with that now. I've, 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 I've processed that on the, on the couch. <laughs> Why can't you just be normal? Well, you know what? 25 years later, my wife is actually really happy that we're not normal, aren't you, babe? She's happy that we're a little bit abnormal. And it's my prayer for you that you're just not normal, that you don't just live an ordinary life, that you don't just live a, a Monday to Friday, get your white, ha- white picket fence in your house and your two and a half kids and your one and your double garage, and, and you know, you live and then you retire and then it's all over. You don't just live a tick-the-box life, but you live an extraordinary life, an abnormal life, a supernatural life, a life that will echo through all of eternity. And it's my belief today that God has for every person in this room a God-breathed dream that is specifically tailor-made for you and for your life, for your family, for the way that you're made and you're wired. He's got a great dream for you. And my prayer is for you, just as it is for us as a church, that we would discover, that we would dig into, that we would sow into, that we would embrace the vision and the dream that God has for our life. And as we embrace that, we will live this extraordinary life, a life of sacrifice, a life of putting others uh, others first, a life of giving glory to God, a life that's not always comfortable, but ultimately a life that is fueled with passion, fueled with purpose, that's that's infused with a sense of something that God himself has put on the inside of us. Not an ordinary life, not a normal life, but an extra normal supernatural life. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be normal now. Don't be normal. And I want to talk to you this morning about, well, how do I live that kind of life? How do I, how do I, how do I begin to dream big? Because for me, dreaming big, the dream isn't just about how I become famous. The dream isn't, you know, as a, as a kid, I had a number of different dreams, and some of them, some of them included uh, playing football on the MCG, and and usually those kinds of dreams, right in the middle, was me and everybody applauding. That's the normal kind of kid's dream, okay? But God's got this dream for your life that may or may not include people applauding here on earth. It will include people, the the, the witnesses of heaven standing in heaven and applauding you and cheering you on as you run the race. But it might not mean that you'll be famous, but you'll live a life of purpose. And that kind of dream that God has for your life and he has for my life, I like to call the dream big because it's big birthed in God. It's birthed in God. It comes from the throne room of heaven. It comes from God himself. Not something that you've done, you've created yourself. Not something that you've dreamed up in your mind, but something that's come to your spirit from the very heart of God because he made you that way. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Uh, the NLT says it like this, you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. You are created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Here's the thing. Before the earth was even created, 
God uh, thought about you, and before he thought about you, it's like when someone designed this iPad, they didn't just sort of, oh, go, let's put it together and wonder what it'll look like. They, They actually said, now, what will the purpose of this iPad be? What am I going to create it for? What's the reason? And then they put it all together intricately, but not as intricately as you. And when God created you right before the beginning of time in Christ, the Bible says that you are, you are in God's mind, you are in His thoughts. He, cre- he thought of you and He thought of why you would exist. He thought of the purpose that you would have for your life. And you were then created in Christ for good works that you would walk in them. So today, can I tell every one of us, there are good works. There's a, you're, you're a masterpiece. You're, you're created for something great in God, something significant. Not, not sort of like, oh, I, I guess if I ask God what it is, hopefully he'll come up with it. No, no, no. God already knows. He created you with a purpose in mind. And so let's, let's, uh, let's go to this thought then. Well, how do I, how do I actually get my, my God-sized dream? For my life. How do I get my God-sized dream? Who would like to know that this morning? I wanted to share a few little principles about that, and then let's start to talk about some principles of how God's dreams for our life work. But the the God-shaped dream comes like this. First of all, we realize that God's priority and His dream, first and foremost, is to be in relationship with you and I. His ambition for your life is that He'd hear your voice that he hear your worship, that he would be intimate with you and I, that we would have this relationship with him of pure trust where our Father in heaven speaks to us, pours love into us, uh, guides us, st- uh, strengthens us when we needs us, encourages us, and that the vision for our life first and foremost would be a relationship with him. You might be in this place today and you're, you find yourself, your life going around in circles. You're wondering why, why there doesn't really seem to be any cut through in my life. Can I suggest to you today, maybe you've never taken that first step into, towards your dream that God has for your life. And that starts by having a relationship with Him. When you begin that relationship with the Creator, then out of the Creator's mouth, He'll begin to speak to you the, the reasons and the words for which He created you, for which He wired you up. You won't discover it until you discover the Creator, your purpose. And so the Bible tells us this, if we are, if in Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there's two ways you can read this, and for this particular moment, I want, to, I want to read it this way. As we make delighting in God our priority, as we make worshiping Him, enjoying Him, glorifying Him our priority, in that process of delight, the dream of God will come into your heart. The desire that God has for you, which is higher, the Bible says this, Isaiah 55, His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God operates on another plane to our plane. He operates on another level. If we're, if we're living in a, a, a flesh sort of, how do I feel good? How do I make myself feel good? How do I, how do I, you know, get, get a bit of a high at this? If we're living on that level, we won't tap into the thoughts that God has for us. So delight in God, delight in Him, worship. How good was it to worship together this morning? How good was it to lift up the name of Jesus? That's delighting in God. As we delight in God, you'll find that just slowly and surely the purposes and the dream God has for you, it will, it will seep into your soul out of delighting in Him. He'll give you the desires. The second thing is make sure if you want a, a God-shaped dream, a God-sized dream for your life, make sure that you align to His purposes. 
You're delighting in him, but you're aligned to his purposes. What do you mean by that, John? Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you make God's kingdom your priority, if, if, if your thinking as you're coming into 2018 is, okay, how do I advance the kingdom of God? How do I, see, how do I make what God's priority is my priority? Because if I align to that, then I'll find out of me making him number one, his dream for my life will come. His dream for this planet is that people will come into relationship with him. His dream for, for planet Earth is that people will be born again, come into a relationship with God. So if that becomes my priority, then I'll discover his dream and my, my part in the jigsaw puzzle. If I make building his church the priority, then I'll find God will put inside of me the dream that's shaped for me. So aligned to his purposes. The third one is this. Let him transform your thinking. How do I discover God's dream for my life? It's higher than where you're thinking. It's, beyond, it's, it's much higher. It's bigger. Usually God's dreams are impossible. Usually God's dreams aren't possible in our own strength. So, so therefore, we've got to get in an atmosphere that allows our thinking to change so that we can get sneaks. We can just, in a moment of worship, we get a, a like, oh, I, I saw something of God's, of God's plans for my future. I didn't see the whole thing, but I had a vision. I had a dream. Something came to my heart. I allow my mind to be transformed. Romans 12 verse 2 says it like this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. The God-shaped dream for your life and my life will come as we allow God to transform our thinking, transform the way we see Him, transform the way we see ourselves. So often, we've been brought up in a particular way that puts a boundary around us in terms of what we can possibly do. And God wants to come and say, well, here's some good things from your upbringing, but there are some limiting things from your upbringing. There are some limiting mindsets that you've developed. There are some limiting thought patterns that you've developed. And I want to come and take you out of that because the Bible says, uh, guard your heart because you think in your heart because your heart determines the boundaries of your life. Guard your heart. So you, you won't go for certain things that God might want to be whispering into your heart if you're thinking about yourself a certain way. You won't believe of them. A friend of mine, uh, and he's shared this story in, here in church, was from South Auckland. And in this particular area of South Auckland, he said there was a, there was a lot of people who had a very low self-esteem. A lot of people who didn't think well or highly of themselves. And so a job was placed in a newspaper for a particular manager of a store and had all the tasks that could be done. And the, the, way, the salary was something like $80,000. And no one in that area applied for the job because of their, their thinking in their mind was that I'm not worth $80,000 as an income. Their preset thinking robbed them of the potential. So someone went along to the manager and said, and he's like, oh, surely there's got to be someone around here who can do that job. And he said, I'll tell you how you'll get them. 
He said, leave the job description and the job exactly the same, change the salary to $50,000 and re-advertise. They re-advertised and they were overrun with people applying for the job. Same job, same description, same experience needed, but the mindset was, I'm not worth that, but maybe I could be worth that. That's a mindset that people have that stop them from, from experiencing the God-shaped dream. Maybe God-shaped dream that he's got for you involves you starting to see yourself a little bit different. That's why our church places a high emphasis on preaching the word of God so we begin to know how God sees us, how he thinks about us, how he wants to think about ourselves. So when a door of opportunity comes along, like the children of Israel, they didn't go in because they saw themselves as, as grasshoppers. But if we change our thinking about ourselves, you'll find when the door of opportunity comes, if you precondition your mind to think about yourself the way God thinks about you, you'll go, okay, I've got this. God's with me. I've got what it takes. I'm more than an overcomer. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Your mind's been renewed. Interestingly, when God was putting a God-shaped dream in Moses' heart, he was going to deliver three million Israelites out of slavery. God took Moses as a baby out of slavery and he placed him in a palace because he didn't want the deliverer to have a slave mindset. He wanted him to have a ruler mindset. He didn't want him to think of himself as a subservient person to everybody else. He wanted to think of him, he wanted him to look at himself and think of himself as a ruler, as royalty, as someone who would lead people. God was posi- repositioned him to change his thinking about himself so that he could fulfill his God-shaped dream. When David was coming from being a shepherd boy, looking after his father's flocks and looking after his father's herds, and and he was fighting for them, and then he gets anointed by God, God does something interesting. He takes him, and King Saul's being tormented. He says, I need a harpist. I need a musician. I need someone who can come and play, who's anointed. And David gets taken from the fields, and he gets placed in the palace, to play music for King Saul. And although that's probably one of the reasons, something that's going on, there's a greater plot here. God is positioning David in the palace because one day he's going to be in the palace. He's, he's destined to be a king. And he's got a, yes, he's learned to be a shepherd and a worshiper, but now he's got to think differently about himself. Now he's got to think differently. Okay, this is what happens for the king. This is the way things are set up around here. This is the way people serve. This is the way people view. This is what a king does. God repositions him in his thinking so that he can position him to receive the God-placed dream in his heart. Maybe God, you know, Joseph's another great one who his father literally gives him a coat of many colors, a coat of favor, a coat of his love, because he wants him to have an absolute clarity that he's loved, that he's awesome. So that when the dream comes to him, he won't doubt the dream because he's changed his thinking. I'm loved. I want you today to start to change your thinking. I'm loved by God. God's got great plans for my life. God's got, you know, this is why I believe the church exists. 
I believe God takes us out of our families, out of our funk, out of our dysfunction, out of our problems, out of our challenges, out of our small thinking, and he places us together in church, and he gets us into an atmosphere where, we, where we're challenged for it to not be all about me, but to make my life about serving somebody else, where we're, we're, we're challenged to not just think about how I'm going to get through today, but how I can make a difference in other people's lives, where we're challenged to live a big life. God wants to get you in a community of people who look you in the eyes and say, you're better than this. There's so much more that God has for your life. It's the community of faith. And he places us. The Bible says this, that he places the solitary in families. So three thoughts there. How do we position ourselves to receive the dream from God? Delight ourselves in the Lord, make him our priority, align to his purposes, and then let him transform our thinking. For me, I remember uh, one of the things that God did for me when I was fresh out of university is uh, I got a job in Victoria. And I, I was, I, I, my family were retired dairy farmers. Uh, you'd describe my family not as non, not particularly entrepreneurial, uh, not particularly, uh, the, I'd say, risk-averse when it came to finance. My dad had lived through a depression, and so there was this sort of sense of, of we never really talked about money, we never really talked about uh, vision for finances. They, they were, my family were generous, but there wasn't that kind of environment. And so the, this job I got, I moved to country Victoria from Toowoomba to work for a man called Barry Rogers. And Barry was the opposite in every way of our family in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship. He was an entrepreneur with a capital E. God took me and placed me for two years working with this man. And I, I remember he was an inventor. He, he created things. Uh, he would find, you know, it would be nothing to go to his house and find seaweed sprawled all around his house because he was looking for the different uses of seaweed, cooking in pots, in ovens, in microwaves. He, and he was just like this mad inventor. At one point, he was in an oil skin clothing business like Dryzerbone. At one point, he created a whole new way to make, to treat things with oil skin, to treat them with oil so that where he was buying them from overseas, patented his new formula. He was this kind of guy. I'd walk to the, I remember one day walking to the kitchen and he, you know, he was making himself a toasted sandwich, but there wasn't a toasted sandwich maker. So there's an iron sitting on his toast. He just thinks outside the box all the time, all the time. Who thinks like that? He, he was flying by the seat of his pants. After a year of me being there as a 20-year-old, he decided he would move north to Queensland, and he left me in charge of this factory of 50 staff, a multi-million dollar turnover, setting up a factory in Fiji. He was a risk-taker. He was an entrepreneur. He was innovative. And God knew that that was, that was on the inside of me in my DNA, but it wasn't in my family of origin dynamic. God knew he needed to take me out of here and place me there to get something in my mind. And it freaked me out for the first six months. Oh, that doesn't all line up, make sense, fit. But then it's just like I got used to this. Hey, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is, there's something, something inside of me. Maybe God's wanting to reposition you. Maybe that's, that's why some of you this year will do an internship. Because you'll say, hey, I need to get into a new environment. I need to get around some different kind of people who think differently to the way I've been brought up, to the way I've been thinking. Maybe some of you, that's what Bible college will be. Maybe some of you will do a marriage course this year that Peter and Ainsley are going to run for us throughout the year. Uh, each term, there'll be a marriage course. And you're like, oh, my mindset of marriage has come from this. It's come from what I've observed in my family. And I need to get a new mindset of marriage. So I'm going to reposition myself so that my mind can be renewed. Are we doing all right here today? 
Here's a few things about your God-shaped dream, just so you know. Uh, often, first of all, the first thing is a God-shaped dream is usually impossible in your own strength. If you can do it easily yourself, it's probably not a God-shaped dream. God needs, He wants you to have faith. He wants you to depend upon Him. He wants you to trust in Him and lean not on your own understanding. So a God-shaped dream is usually impossible in your own strength. A God-shaped dream will match your gifts and wiring. A friend of mine, uh, back in the day, I remember this distinctly, he had this terrible perspective about God and God's, the way that God would give you um, a vision for your life or the way that God's will of your life. He was like fearful that God's will was going to be terrible and painful. He, I mean, I remember him talking about it and he's like, I really hope God doesn't make me marry that person because I don't really like her. But if that's God's will, I'm prepared to do it. I'm like, dude, wrong theology. That's terrible. The way that God wires you up with a particular um, gifting, personality, uh, uh, there's things inside of you that you were born to do that come naturally to you, that give you a kick, that's your sweet spot. And God's, the God-shaped dream for your life will fit perfectly within the gifts and abilities that he's got you. You might have to get some new mindset. You might have to think a little bit differently. But in terms of the way you're wired and, and where you're going to be in your elements, the God-shaped dream for you will place you in your element. There may be some stretching along the way, but it'll place you in what you were born for. Okay. The third thing is, here's a, here's a great thing to know. Often, God will open a door for your, for your dream through closing a door that was comfortable and nice. And you're like, hang on a minute, I, I, that, was, that was good. I was in this season. That was quite good. And then God comes and, and just circumstances change and, and it can even look like the devil just shut that thing down. But God's actually like, no, 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 I want to push you out of the nest. It was comfortable here, like the eagle mama who comes along and pushes the baby out of the nest and, and, and it falls and it falls and it falls and she swoops down and catches it. Some of you are like, God, what are you doing? You're trying to kill me, aren't you? You're pushing me out of the nest. I know that's what you're doing. You're trying to kill me. He's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to teach you how to fly. I remember when Russell uh, and Marita, this, this great moment in their life where Russell had been, he'd worked in the bank, he'd worked managing someone else's car yard for, for many years, been a great manager for somebody else. And I often tell people, if you want to own your own business, then work for somebody else and make them successful. Serve someone else's vision and then God will give you your own vision. And I remember this moment when that car yard, the rules of importing changed and that car yard shut down. And, and Russell and Reed are like, well, this has been our thing. We've invested into it. We've given ourselves to it. And, and, and what's, what's going on here? This thought came to us from the Lord about Elisha. Uh, uh, Elisha was Elisha or Elijah? Anyway, one of them is being fed by ravens. And, and the ravens are coming along and feeding him. And the, and the water's running and, and, and he's getting drink from it. But they just dried up. And in the process of the drying up of one source of provision, you're like, oh, has God left? Has God, is, uh, am I not in the will of God? He's like, no, God's trying to make you uncomfortable because he's trying to move you on to something better. And out of that, they went and sought God and began to pray, began to say, God, how have you wired us up? What are we passionate about? And began to start a real estate business that's gone on to be one of the coast's largest and they've been very generous people to God's house. And it started with what looked like the devil shutting down something. But it actually was God moving 
Maybe, maybe there's something in 2017 and you, it's, time to, it's a time for the funeral. It's time to bury it. It's time to leave it behind. It's time to let it go. Not, tr- not try to resurrect this thing that God's taken his hand off. And open up your eyes to something. I know I'm speaking to someone here right now. Open up your eyes to something new that God has for you ahead. We're doing all right here today. A God-shaped dream. Uh, okay, you can tell it's a God-shaped dream because it brings glory to God. That's the criteria. It brings glory to God. Not glory to us, but glory to God. You can tell it's a God-shaped dream because often it begins small. In Zechariah 14, it says, Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Most of the God things, the God ideas, they start as a seed. And they start small. And they often, the seed actually comes from something else that died. And then it begins, and, and you're like, no, but, but the picture I saw was like this. And God's like, yeah, I know it was like, it was massive, it was really big, the vision I gave you. But I always start small. And here's the process of what happens. There's, there's a, this journey of learning to trust God actually is learning to trust you. Can you be faithful with it when it's small? Can you believe God when things are small? Can you, can you, can you, when you're being tested and it doesn't seem like anything's happened, are you going to stay the course, hold on to God's promise, and believe His word? Will you hold on to that when you're being tested? It'll start small, and every good dream, and if I could get a keyboard to start right now, every good dream will be tested. There will be testing. There will be times of opposition. If it, if it is a God-shaped dream, I guarantee you, there will be opposition. If it's a God-shaped dream, I guarantee you it won't come easy. It'll take you at different moments stepping back and going, God said this, but this is happening. God's promises were up here, but my circumstances are down here. What's going on right now? That's the moment of the test. You're being tested. It's like being at the airline and you hear the, 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 the sound come over the airwaves where they say there is a fire alarm about to go off, but this is a test. Don't panic. This is a test. It's just, we're just running a fire alarm. This is a test. And in your God-shaped dream, there will be moments where it's looking nothing like what God said it would. It's looking the opposite. What you need to do is draw back, get in the presence of God, and remember this. This is a test. Will you hang on to his promises? This is a test. Will you keep delighting yourself in the Lord? This is a test. Will you keep your heart aligned to the purposes that God has for your life? Because eventually, as you hold on to the promise of God, as you lean in to the test, God's word will come to pass. It will come to fruition for you right now. Can we close our eyes right across this place? Father, I thank you right here today. You know the condition of every heart. You know the discouraging things, the disappointing things, the difficult things. And I'm praying right now, Spirit of God, you're a comforter. Come and comfort, come and comfort, come and comfort, come and comfort people. Bring comfort, bring comfort. 
Lord, where our eyes are down from discouragement, help us to lift our eyes to the hills, to the heavens, where our help comes from. Where people are discouraged because they're in the kingdom reversal moment. You said, but the opposite's happening. I pray right now, faith will be sparked right through this place. Your word will not return to you void. God, you love those who diligently seek you. You reward them. I pray today, our hearts will be strong with faith. You're going to move on our behalf. Husbands will get saved. Children will return to God. Family members will be restored. Marriages will be made whole. Bodies will be healed. Purpose will be discovered. Finances will turn around. God, your promises will be fulfilled. I'm asking faith arises. Lord, that even through moments over this next month in the house of God, people will see visions. You'll speak through the promises of your word. Dreams will be seeded. People will become pregnant with the dream of God as we give ourselves to be in the house of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you.